Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Each week, we will take you inside the brightest minds of the most highly regarded executives in the world of enterprise-level revenue operations, marketing, and sales with a focus on the future while creating successful wins today. Now, here's your host, Justin Michael. Welcome to the Vendor Neutral podcast in the neutral zone. My name is Justin Michael, your fearless host, and I'm here with George Bronton, the co-founder and CEO of Membrane. Really great to have you on the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks, George. We're talking about the future of sales technology, marketing technology, operations technology. There's a lot shifting right now. I know uh, Satya Nadella said that they saw two years of digital transformation in two months. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm so curious uh, how that's reflecting in your world as someone who's been highly involved in uh, CRM innovation, which to go beyond the tooling, really sales process and methodology innovation, and trying to bring uh, behavioral change to this industry. I've been following you for probably six to eight years and I really love your blogs and thought leadership. So I thought you'd be a great guest on the show. Cool. Thank you. Yes, uh, we've we've done a, a pretty major shift in our sort of roadmap when when COVID hit, because we uh, we realized that a lot of companies will be struggling uh, rec uh, recruiting new clients, and our customer base is not primarily uh, fast growing SaaS companies. Uh, but we have uh, customers in in uh, in a lot of other industries where you you don't have the entire world of SMBs as your target group. They rather have a, a usually a smaller target group, and they have a very complex B2B sales environment. So we decided to uh, shift our focus from the uh, sort of standard pipeline management and prospecting where our focus has been over the last few years into how do we help customers really understand who their best customers are and how do we help them to minimize churns, churn, but uh, even more so align with these customers to create mutual growth. So our focus has been a lot uh, on the uh, creating a, a module and technology to drive account growth uh, within a customer existing customer base. That's really phenomenal. I'd love to get a little more tactical. I know you have some products and ideas and a book and just best practices. For me, when I record uh, podcasts and blogs, I'm always looking for some how-to takeaways for the folks listening. What would be some tips, like a couple ideas uh, from your work, from your research, from your product roadmap to help foster that alignment, to reduce churn, to get a better process? Um, I've noticed you've been able to sort of inject classic and modern methodologies into your software systems, which is really cool to be able to retrofit or customize how you're going to go to market. A lot of systems won't allow that flexibility. Uh, I probably just opened up Pandora's box on that one, but I'd love to hear in that direction. Yes, I think you use one word there that has, that's key for us in anything we do, and that's flexibility. Uh, so you have to be able to tailor your technology to your needs and not have to sort of shoehorn 
your way of doing things into a pre-designed way of doing things in the software. So that's that's a key sort of development focus for us always. Um, I think uh, going back to your question there, uh, what would be practical advice? What I see a lot of customers not really having a good grip on is who their best customers really are. Like you have to, you have to know who your most profitable customers are and, and, and give that some thought. How do you define, for instance, potential in accounts? And do you know which accounts have the most potential according to that definition? And is that definition shared among the teams? So the first sort of thing we did in this new module that we're working on is a grid, like a visualization of your customer base uh, and, and trying to get the logos up on that grid to see, okay, uh, when I'm looking at my accounts like this, does it resonate? It, are the right logos top right uh, or is something off? And if something is off, maybe it's, it's your, your segmentation model that needs to be fixed or maybe those customers that you thought were the best customers aren't the best customers. Um, so really getting a grip on, on that definition of your best customers and, and which ones have the largest potential for growth I think that would be sort of my number one advice. I see a lot of companies haven't really done that exercise. And maybe it's now with, with the situation we're in, it might also have shifted because some of those clients you had before who were the best clients might be struggling and you have to resegment your market. Uh, so you have to be very dynamic in that modeling of your segmentation and who your best customers are and, and where there's growth. So that would be my first advice on, on, on that uh, question of yours. That's great advice. So enabling that through software, in my research, I've noticed that really from a scientific perspective, something like 70% of what reps do um, is automatable. And so the question is, how do you free up the human for their marketing time, selling time, their creative, creativity and ideation? Some of these legacy systems tend to get in the way of the most powerful components of the human, the, the human AI. Um, and you talk about membrane and a brain. How, how do we revolutionize these systems going forward one, two, three years to unlock uh, potential versus limit it? Mm. I think everything that can be automated should and probably will be automated. Uh, the difficulty lies in, in knowing what that is, I believe, uh, because sometimes I see companies automating things that might not be smart to automate. Uh, and uh, I think we're always chasing for increased efficiency, but if, if you increase efficiency before you have designed an effective system, you're not gonna really increase productivity and you might do yourself a disservice. So I always say effectiveness first, efficiency later. Uh, but I, I see a lot of companies doing it the, the other way around. They just think, let's do more of the same and, and that's gonna help us. But uh, if you're not doing the right things, you're just gonna mess things up. So knowing what to automate, I think is the first thing. And I, I don't know about this. I, I hear that, num I mean, numbers are thrown around all the time that we don't have enough selling time but I think uh, maybe an even bigger 
issue that I'm seeing is that there is no structure. Uh, so a lot of sales teams and salespeople are left to their own devices and are basically just winging it uh, and are not given the, the leadership and the structure and the coaching that is needed to succeed. So I, I find myself going back to sort of those basics all the time. Is there a strategy that is aligned with the, how buyers should be buying your stuff? Do you have a process that is informative and actionable and easy to learn and easy to execute? Are your managers coaching really their people? Are you growing their, their skill sets? Are you analyzing the right things so you can iterate your strategy and the process and the skills? So basics, things like this, I th we, we really need to nail um, before we can sort of find AI to do the work for us. I find that a lot too in my research is that the issue is we're amplifying a garbage process. You know, uh -huh. no one has stepped back and worked out their marketing funnel, alignment with sales, the CSM, mitigation of churn, mapped the entire user journey, and then gone back in and rebuilt the stack around it. It's more like these Franken stacks, almost like uh, organizational <laughs> technical debt. I got to quote, um, quote Alan Treffler, the CEO of Pega Systems, Pega for that quote for Frankenstack. Mm -hmm. See that, like you go into a company and you've got this enablement platform that can unlock this vision, but they're so caught up with this scaffolding that's blocking them from, from moving, you know? Yeah, yeah, I have, an, I have a, a phrase I use for that. I call it point pollution. Because uh, you buy all these, it was a slip of a tongue. I was talking to a guy and, and I said, okay, you know, all these point solutions that are popping up all the time, but I, I, I uh, miss said that word and said point pollution. So I think we're polluting uh, the sales stack um, before, like you say, before we have a very well thought through process and strategy on how to do things. So, but it's, it's that, I, it's human, right? We try to take shortcuts. And uh, while doing so, we, we uh, create problems for ourselves. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, where do you think CRM is going? Where do you think you know, automation of marketing and sales is going? I would love your unique take without revealing your roadmap or if you can talk about um, you know, where you're taking your product or where you're taking your sector and niche. I think people will be really interested in that because you've been doing... Um, you know, your role there for eight years, I was noticing. I mean, you've been part of shaping the industry in many ways. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not a big uh, automation guy. Uh, we, we don't have too much automation in, in Membrane. Uh, we are really focused on the humans. So we're talking about behaviors. We, we want to drive the right behaviors. Uh, automation is, is fantastic where, where it should be used, but, but I, I, I'll keep going back to the humans and how we can drive that structure and discipline and, 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 and cre um, create that coaching culture. Uh, so I'm very much back to sort of the, the humans <laughs> all the time. And, and, and there's so many automation tools out there that can do good stuff uh, that are complementary to, to CRM. But, but CRM is one of those words, like if you say CRM to someone, everyone will have their own sort of definition of what that means. I try to make it super simple and, and explain as CRM as basically the, the common denominator is a database. 
right? That's how it all got started. Save all the information about your customers in a database. And then on top of that, we'll add different tools and you'll access those tools through a user interface. So what I'm hoping to see and what we're working on, of course, is always improving the user interface because if the user interface sucks, nobody's gonna use the tool. And I think that's where a lot of these traditional CRMs find themselves today because they built so much stuff into their platform that they are just too cumbersome and, and, and hard and difficult to use. And then because they have to be sort of, they're designed to be for anyone and everyone. And then you just, ha just have to customize it to fit your needs. There's so much customization going on that it also breaks these systems sometimes. You try to make them into something they're not. And all of a sudden, after three years of customizations and, and the what did you call it, Franken stack Thank stuff you. going on, it, it's completely broken. Now. So you basically have to start over. So I think we'll see more, uh, more systems that are tailored for your specific way of selling. Uh, so we're working with a lot of, you mentioned methodologies. We work with a lot of experts uh, who uh, are, have created some kind of intellectual property on how you should be selling effectively and efficiency. So I think efficiently, those uh, people will work with us to put these frameworks into the tools. Um, I see that happening. Uh, I also see a lot of app switching today, which again goes back to the Frankenstack thing. Like you have to, all of a sudden salespeople have to work in eight apps. Uh, and that's not fun anymore. I mean, that's really reducing their efficiency and effectiveness rather than increasing it. I think Gartner had some studies showing that. Uh, so the app switching has to go away uh, or at least be reduced. Uh, so there will be a lot of acquisitions going on in this space. Uh, uh, different companies uh, with a tool for prospecting will probably buy tools for opportunity management and you know, marketing tools and why, like HubSpot, for instance, they started as a marketing tool. They went to, I think, sales and now to customer success. We'll see more of that, more platforms being built by acquisitions or, or just development to make those more broad. Yeah, so I was nodding my head in agreement because the first funny thing is, I'll give you more terms that I love, but AFL, which is another friggin' login. <laughs> and then you have FNAC, F-N-A-C, feature not a company. At, at the end of the day, when I have to log in again to get another email or another graph, and I just, can someone give me that minority report and like suck in all my systems and just tell me, you know, where am I at? And yeah. I've seen this converged attempt. Um, I love though that you keep starting with the humans. It's the humans, you know, like we have to have our reps trained because there's this funding thing where it feels like the IP, IPO market has shrunk. The mm -hmm. secondary market is white hot with the $100 million rounds and the unicorns and the decacorns. And what do you do as SaaS eats the whole software world? You need all these SDRs and new marketing folks. You need all these untrained people to enter the digital industries. And what starts to happen, you need process. Otherwise you have chaos. So there's these just opposing forces of an explosion of vendors and technology and the new agile skills coming to the workforce. And, uh, you know, is, is there going to be a, a radical efficiency or is it just going to be more 
dysfunction is it is it kind of a bit of both i'm just so curious your vision because mm. there's a lot of funding in MA predicted i agree with what you said there too um what do smart leaders do to prepare for the environment that we're looking at in 2021 2022 um also with the shift of remote work i'm curious your take on that mm. Mm. Yeah, I think we have to go back to our way of selling, which, which in turn is defined by how our buyers will buy uh, solutions like ours or solutions or making changes that would involve our solution. Uh, so the way of selling is something I talk about a lot. Like you need to really understand how you should be organizing your, your sales and marketing and customer success teams to really serve the market you're going after well. So instead of starting by buying technology, you need to really start by defining who are you going after, what's the most effective and efficient way to, to sell to that target group, and then design the strategy and the processes and know the skills needed, and then buy the tools, almost the last thing you do. But I think now what people are doing, they're buying the tools because they believe that's a shortcut to success. And then they find themselves, oh my God, it's not, we're not really becoming more efficient and effective, but everyone is complaining that they have too many logons. <laughs> so going back to how, how do we sell? What will be our way of selling? What will make us stand out? Another thing that I strongly believe in is everything looks the same today. I mean, the, it's a global market. Go to one website and go to a competing website, a competing vendor. I mean, the words they use, the, the, even the, the colors they use will be very similar. Uh, so how do you differentiate in, in that kind of market? And I think how you, how you package and how you sell is really what's gonna help you differentiate. So I think how you sell is gonna be even more important in the future when the competition gets even stiffer uh, and you really, uh, companies are not, and leaders are not spending enough time on thinking about that. They're, they're so stuck in this do more faster uh, mindset, I think. I always talk about the tools for tooling sake. You know, you have these sports analogies where you get the better golf club or the better racket, you know, it works well. Like I, I just wanna, <laughs> yeah. I just wanna hit the ball like Pete Sampras. So I'm gonna buy my Prince racket and I'm gonna go out there, right? But without the technique, it's, you know, I always talk about retraining my backhand. You know, I had a two-handed backhand like Agassi. I tried to retrain in one hand so hard, so hard to reteach that. And I really think of the same issue. You start leaning on the tools, shiny object, and then you forget the form that's powering the tool. So I think it's a pretty good analogy. Um, is there a coaching function or services function to what you do? Or how are you involved not only getting your tool out there, but helping with the behavioral change? Because that's the hardest part. Um, organizations, um, in order to modernize, it's a change management issue. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you get the tools and the, the behavioral shift? That, that's a $64 million question. I should ask that on every, every show. <laughs> <laughs> it is, definitely. And, and I think it's not, it, it's not just uh, a challenge that we have to take on, but also the, the people who design the strategies and train the people, so the sales development experts uh, that we work a lot with, uh, much is in, on their shoulders also to make sure that the training they, they deliver sticks, because that's the other big problem, right? If you train someone, 
just because you took the training doesn't mean that you will change your behavior. Uh, so, so I think combining skills development training with technology and follow-up coaching and accountability sessions is what will drive and make those changes actually stick. So it's the teamwork thing. And the frontline sales managers are, are key in this, uh, as always. Uh, they have to be the ones who coach the people, the salespeople, to do what they've been trained to do well, uh, help them develop as humans uh, and as professionals. So it's a combination of someone providing the skills, the tooling, and the, the managers, uh, and leadership, of course, as well. I don't know, that wasn't maybe a, a great question to your, a great response to your question. <laughs> That's totally fine. Um, when you look forward, if you span out um, five years from now, what do you see yourself working on? Um, even 10, where do you see the technologies you're touching now going? Um, yeah, five to 10 years is a long time in this industry. I know it's right? a long time, but you may not be thinking of it uh, initially, but it's always fun to ask people who've been very involved in improving technology systems. Yeah. Where they think it should go, or you know, where you say people should focus less on the automation and more on the human factors. That's like a big takeaway from the show. Yeah. Um, but I'd love the I'd love your future vision. Yeah. No, I think some uh, looking at the sales profession, transact transactionalized sales or simple sales that be, can be closed in a phone with a phone call, or that will all be automated. I think. Uh, so when I say focusing on the humans, I'm talking about the complex B2B sales, longer sales cycles, more stakeholders, and, and that, that's sort of our sweet spot. Uh, I think it's, like you said with the tennis analogy, it, it's really hard to, or golf is closer to my heart maybe, but you know, it's really, really hard to perfect a golf swing. Uh, you can work on it your entire life, right? And it's kind of the same in the sales profession. It, you, you, can, you can read spin selling in, in, a, in a two hours, but if you really want to use spin selling, uh, it can take years before you can perfect it and really be, can say that I am using spin selling effectively. Uh, so I think we will continue to have to be, we have to continue working on the, on the basics. Uh, we need to have a strategy. We need to put the process in place. We need to make sure we coach and all these things have to happen. It's like climbing a ladder. You can't jump to the 10th, uh, what do you call them in English? The 10th, 10th step. You have to take the first sort of steps before you get to that 10th step. Uh, so stop making, taking the shortcuts, uh, make, really really define how you sell. Think about sales mark and marketing and customer success as your competitive advantage. If you do this well, you'll outcompete everyone else. Even though they they might even have a better product. But I think from a leadership perspective, we need to take it much more seriously. Sales is not something that a salespeople are not born. Like the topic of my book is really about that misconception that I think a lot of people hold that selling is something that people get when they're born. They just have these traits that will make them good salespeople, but it's a profession. It's something you have to work on. It's something you have to perfect over time. 
So, um, and and I, if five to 10 years, again, I, what I'm seeing is a lot of consolidation, more platform players, more niched uh, offerings. So in, I, I also believe that we'll see more responsibility uh, has to be taken by either the vendor or the reseller slash partner to the vendor to make that technology work. Because right now, nobody's really taking that responsibility, which is why we're seeing so much churn. Uh, so I'll see, we, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, merged business models between companies that do different things like skills development, technology, coaching, strategy work. Uh, we'll see uh, these business models in, be more intertwined. Yeah, that's a great uh, vision. So the question now is how as an industry do we go about bringing that enablement? I don't think one vendor or one thought leader can do that. So I'd love to hear more about your book if it interfaces with these themes or even just to get listeners a, a way to support you and kind of get in the mindset, skill sets. And can you tell us about some of your writings, uh, whether it's a blog or a book and you know why yeah. you wrote it, sort of how it, it, it fits fills into some of the concepts today. Yeah, so the book Stop Killing Deals is how I, I, I named it. And the, the URL is cool, is stop.killing.deals. Uh, <laughs> easy to remember. And I wrote it because my, I wanted to share sort of my own experiences with, uh, with selling or building a, a sales team uh, because I made all the mistakes in the book. And, and really those mistakes is what led me to start this company, Membrane, and the technology we're building. Uh, so the book really goes through my, my experiences with sucking as a sales manager, <laughs> sucking at building and scaling a sales team, and sort of the insights I got from that and, and, and advice on how to put this structure in place that I believe is needed to, to really make how you sell a competitive advantage. So that's the... Uh, the, the theory behind the book. And it actually came out on Audible today. That was the number one question I got from people when, when putting the book out there. Do you have it as an audiobook? And it took me forever to get it out on Audible, but now it's, it's there. So that's good fun. So how do people find you? To just go to George Broughton on LinkedIn? Do you have a blog? Where are the best places to get your writings now? Yeah, please hook up with me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, the blog is on membrane.com slash blog. So you can subscribe yeah. to that uh, right there every, every week. And we have really strong uh, guest bloggers as well. Fantastic. Um, I had a last question is just who inspires you as a technologist, as a sales leader? Can you take me through like your mindset, your philosophy? Maybe it's a quote, because what I want to do on this show is talk about innovation. Like what gets you up in the morning to work on this space? You've been working on it for nearly a decade, maybe more um, for other people who are innovating in the, in the tools category, mm. um, that, that would be like, I have a couple little questions here more about you uh, before we wrap. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my passion is really, uh, I have a, a motto in life that is uh, why settle for mainstream, go upstream, uh, which is why my first company was called Upstream. Uh, so I like to challenge the status quo when, when I, and I think this is for all entrepreneurs, we see something that could be improved and, and we, 
we make it our mission to improve it. So the, the mission for the company is to elevate the sales profession. And there's so much to be done, uh, so much improvement to be, to be made. So that gets me up in, in the morning. I, and I'm a software nerd, right? I love software. I, I love how we can design tools that makes people's lives better and makes businesses grow, makes people grow. I mean, that, that's really, I think that's super fascinating. So for me, just living in, in, in the, uh, both one foot in the software and the technology and the design world, another foot in sort of the latest and greatest in selling and, and marketing and customer success and just l always learn new stuff. That's what gets me up in the morning. I think that's really helpful. And so do you have an inspiration or any leaders like, you know, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or people you look to when you think about technology roadmap? Mm. That's the last one. Right. Yes. Uh, so I, I do, uh, from, from my, uh, my upstream uh, <laughs> nerve, the, the, the whole uh, challenge, the mainstream, of course, Richard Branson comes to mind with Virgin. Yeah. Uh, he's been really good at that, challenging the, the mainstream. Um, and um, I, have a, I have some entrepreneurial friends that, that inspire me as well, who haven't built like billion dollar companies, but just have this, this curiosity of, of life and of, of in people, just always wanting to learn and improve. Uh, and I, I really admire that. And, and people who are just, you know, really deep dive into something. It doesn't really matter what. I, I find myself spending hours talking to people, you know, who, like trees, uh, an arborist I, I, I hired. I mean, we, we spoke for hours about trees and roots. And I just love that when people have passion for something. That's awesome, George. It's been a great, you know, half hour. We're talking about, you know, quantum leap and bringing the space forward. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You're a really unique voice. I encourage everyone to check out your book, your blogs, your website, and your LinkedIn presence. Connect with, with you. Um, shoot George a message about this episode. Check us out on Vendor Neutral. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Be sure to visit VendorNeutral.com, where you can access the show notes, discover many valuable free resources, and subscribe to the podcast.